other words, guys, it's doing the right thing. And I think we all have to admit that if you haven't been doing that, you learn that in business, if you don't do the right thing, it catches up to you. And you get fired. <laughs> so true. Live your life with purpose, change someone's life for the better, and leave a lasting impact on those around you. Welcome to Finish Strong, the podcast designed to help you discover your unique purpose and develop a plan to leave a powerful legacy. In this episode, Dan, Brian, and Terry talk about the keys to success in everything. Now, here's Dan, so let's get started. We all want to be successful in our work, our family life, our faith, and today, on Finish Strong, we're going to discuss seven keys to success. If you take these traits that we're going to talk about, which are straight out of the Word of God, you cannot fall and uh, you will be a success. So I'm Dan Wheeler and I'm joined by Terry Steen and Brian Rowland. Our producer is John Matarazzo. We're all here. We want to finish strong with our lives, but we're going to base today's podcast guys on second peter 1 5 through 10 and you know peter in this passage is really calling out for us uh not so much to do certain things but to be certain things and he says to be diligent about it would you agree with that Uh, For sure. And, you know, it's interesting to me, Dan, that I've read so many management books over the years as I've done, been in the business world. And every time you hear them talk about success, as a Christian, you can always come back and find that the foundational information they put in their management books, you can find in the Bible. Mm. And so I'm excited to talk about this because it's one more example of how the Bible gives us the foundation to be successful and the world's just kind of catching it from the side, you know? Yeah, Brian, we've all read those books. It's true. I mean, I think I've read them all from the sales books of Brian Tracy on to Tony Robbins and everybody else that's out there. But it's true. It it is a foundation is right there in the Bible. And until you dive into it and look for it, you you don't realize it. It's all coming from there. And it's just people repeating it, just what they've read uh, or what's been put put in the Bible years ago for us to go by. Well, uh, the passage we're going to read, actually, the seven keys are actually seven attributes of God that we should try to emulate. And it's found in first or excuse me second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 10 i'm just going to read this through quickly and i'm reading out of the new international version it says for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Now, there is a lot in there. And as I mentioned, these are traits that should be involved in the Christian character. But first of all, Peter says to us to be diligent in these. He wants us to work hard at this, really give it maximum effort. And so the first uh, attribute is virtue. He says, add to your faith virtue, which is goodness, righteousness, morality, ethics, In other words, guys, it's doing the right thing. And I think we all have to admit that if you haven't been doing that, you learn that in business, 
if you don't do the right thing, it catches up to you. <laughs> and you get fired. <laughs> so true. So true. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when I when I read that verse, it made me think, as, as you were talking about the high moral standards, Dan, and the virtue, I kind of take that to integrity, which is basically the same thing. Interesting that back in Matthew and Mark, both t- there's two different times in there where the Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they acknowledge that he was a man of integrity. So as, as you mentioned in the business world, if you don't have integrity, you're short-lived, aren't you? You will not be successful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's of the utmost importance. We all love virtuous people. Um, it's moral excellence. And I've had so many examples of that, men that I looked up to, and you just saw that it applied to every aspect of their life. They were always the same. They were always diligent in being good and being righteous and being moral. Brian, I know you've had examples like that as well. Yeah, it's very true. And I was just thinking about it when you were talking there, Dan. Uh, the person that comes to my mind was Dennis Tenorino. Oh, yeah. You know, Dennis was a Mr. Universe uh, three times, Mr. America. He's Mr. Everything except for Olympia. He came in second. But uh, Dennis, uh, when he became a Christian, too, it just it seemed like it empowered him to be even more of a good person and an excellent person and an excellence in what he did, not just in his bodybuilding, because he came out and won Mr. Natural America. So he was drug free at the same time, but he just pushed that. Uh, he, he took virtue uh, literally and, and he really uh, made himself to be an excellent person and an outstanding evangelist and minister too, until the Lord took him home. Um, but that's the first person that came to my mind when you said that. I remember his biceps were a lot like mine, only about 10 times bigger. But they were both of your biceps yeah. together. I think, <laughs> yeah. made his he was a big boy. It's more like your yeah. thigh. <laughs> well, you know, another um, definition of virtue is excellence in all you do. And Nolan Ryan comes to mind, the great pitcher, uh, all-time no-hit king, all-time strikeout king. And I worked with Nolan on a number of occasions. And I asked him once, I said, what do you do right after you've pitched a complete game? You know, what's your routine? And he said, well, I... I uh, I get ice going on my arm, I do all my media interviews, and then I get on the bike and I ride for about a half hour. I go, I said, what? You you must be exhausted. You just threw a complete game. You're out there and you're, you're riding on the bike. I said, why do you do that? And he said, because the best time to start preparing for my next outing is immediately after my last one. And that was his kind of commitment. Mm. I think of Pete mm. Rose with that commitment to hitting, to being the greatest hitter. His uncle once told him if he wanted to be a switch hitter, he should take 10 swings from each side of the plate every night before he goes to bed. So he did that, only he did 100 swings from Mm. each side of the plate. That's commitment to excellence. Then I think of Billy Graham with moral excellence. Billy had high standards. He would never be alone in in a room with a woman. Uh, He would never get on an elevator Uh, If it was just he and another woman, he never put himself in a place where it could be said that he may have done anything wrong. I mean, he stayed above reproach that way. That's virtue. Yeah, you mentioned, Billy, in Proverbs 10, it tells us that a man of integrity walks securely. And that was something Mm. that Billy was able to do, wasn't he? You know, everybody could throw things at him. But nothing sticked because he did the right things. Right. And if you do the right things, nothing's going to stick. 
God's going to honor you. You can walk securely. I like that. He was he was uh, a guy that we can all look up to. You know, we we miss him, and uh, we have to think how he made that commitment. Um, and then after virtue, which is goodness or moral excellence. Uh, it says to add knowledge, Terry. So why would you ask me about knowledge? <laughs> I'm not sure. Brian was looking at me the same way. Why are you asking Terry? No. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, I want you to know Terry does have some knowledge, <laughs> limited as it may be. <laughs> you know, we just talked about integrity, so I can't deny that. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I would. <laughs> Way to be virtuous. Yeah. When we talk about knowledge, of course, the Bible is filled with it and the importance of it. But a verse that comes out to me real quickly is 2 Timothy 2.15, where it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if you look at that rightly dividing, basically that means discerning, dividing right from wrong and discerning right from wrong. And so that's what knowledge, as the Bible talks about knowledge, he wants us to study knowledge. He wants us to learn. He wants us to discern right from wrong. He wants us to develop wisdom. You know, Proverbs, I was reading, I found at least six verses, if not more, that associated knowledge with discernment. So I think that's really a key area there. How how would you guys look at adding knowledge. How do you add knowledge? Well, I think of spiritual knowledge, and I go to Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you read it in the uh, New International Version, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and acceptable will. And that's where I think we take knowledge even further to spiritual knowledge. Yeah. Giving the knowledge that we have to God and saying, okay, God, now transform my mind. Help me to have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Brian, how do you feel about that? No, I said that that makes perfect sense too, Dan, because knowledge, street knowledge is so much different than you're going to get from spiritual knowledge. And mm. when people try to put street knowledge and, and tie that into spiritual knowledge, it's, it's when they fail. Mm. I mean, how many how many pastors have you seen fall out of grace because they're trying to use their their street knowledge of what they think they know instead of using the spiritual knowledge that God is prepared to give them if they seek it. Yeah. And then in that verse, after knowledge, so we've got, be diligent in these things, to your faith, add virtue, Mm -hmm. to virtue, add knowledge. And then, Brian, it says, add temperance, Mm -hmm. which also can mean self-control, right? Yes, and temperance is really moderation in thoughts. Uh, and your words are your actions. It's people who practice temperance are self-controlled and they'll show restraint in their passions and their behaviors. And we were just talking about pastors and how some pastors don't, don't use their, their knowledge correctly. And it has to do with temperance, too. They don't use their temperance right. And Paul described over in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven, I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after uh, preaching to others, I, I find myself should uh, should be disqualified. And what he's saying is there is that he wanted to keep his uh, flesh from toppling his ministry in any way. 
So he refused things of his flesh when he craved in order to develop a strength of character. And like you said, how many Christian leaders do we see that that we know that have fallen? Uh, it's an almost it's due to their lack of self control, which of course comes out of the temperance and their personal discipline. Yeah, I looked up the the self control literally means to get a grip on oneself and to to be delivered from being controlled by affections, our passions and appetites. Terry, it's really the opposite of self-indulgence, and it's the opposite of acting in the flesh. We're, we're now acting in the spirit when we have that kind of temperance. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know, the, what's frustrating to me is I was hoping the older I got, the easier it would get. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not really always the case, is it? I I've, was reminded of the the scripture that Paul was talking to Titus in the book of Titus, and he was telling Titus how he was supposed to teach the church there, that the church he was pastoring. And in the second chapter, it said, teach the old men to be temperate and self-controlled. And then further on, it says, teach the young men. So it's it's still, as long as you live, you're going to be dealing with self-control and fighting self-control, aren't we? Yeah, it's very true. Boy, and we've all seen in not only churches, but corporations, you talk people who've lost self-control and they didn't count to 10 and control their emotions. That's true. And if they keep themselves, if they keep ourselves under control physically and mentally and spiritually, then we're, we're prepared to be more effective in our representing of Christ too. And over in Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if we have the Spirit in us and upon us, we have to be prepared to keep in step with the Spirit and what He's telling us. Okay, well, we've got a lot to get to. So we've talked about adding virtue to our faith, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, and now to temperance, add patience. Uh, that's the, what the verse reads in King, the King James Version. In the New International Version, it says, perseverance. I always think of running a race with perseverance and, and being patient. Mm-hmm. Remember the great milers, Jim Ryan and those guys, they knew when to uh, start their kick. They didn't want to start it too soon mm-hmm. because they'd burn out. Yeah. They didn't want to wait too late. They had to make their move when they had to. And uh, that's kind of how it is in life, you know, during our, our trials and difficulties. Patience and perseverance helps us to to stay on the track in our pursuit of our Christian godly character, like we're talking about, even when we suffer and go through pain, that's really when we identify with Christ's suffering. Paul talks a lot about that. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We're going to suffer, right, guys? I mean, we're not promised uh, that we won't have any tribulation in the world. We will have it. We will have it. And, you know, I think about it, you you know, some of these guys who are always looking for the next job or they're out of work and they're trying to find another job. It's usually due to impatience or not persevering Hmm. in the job they're in. And there's one little thing that goes wrong. And so they throw up their hands and quit 
instead of persevering through, you know, and, and I'm reminded of the scripture in James. It's the first chapter, the third and the fourth verse, where it says the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So Dan, I know you're immature and this is something that you should really, excuse excuse me. That's that's funny. I, my earpiece must have gone. I thought you said I'm immature. <laughs> oh, oh no, that it must have been a glitch. I'm so, oh, okay. Yeah, I okay. would never say that. No, no, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> Self-control. But that's where it is. Perseverance matures us. Yes, it does. And I'm working on it, Terry. Mm-hmm. So to perseverance, <laughs> add godliness. Brotherly. Brotherly kindness and godliness. Yeah, we add godliness, which, of course, that's a characteristic of God. You know, the more yeah. we can be like God, the more godliness we have in our lives, huh? I think of godliness, you know, being centered on God, walking with God, seeking to please God. But the more, obviously, time we spend with him the more we'll be like him. Yeah. Godliness. Mm-hmm. Brian, you know something about that, don't you? Godliness? Yeah, oh, everything. No. <laughs> no. But when, when I was, uh, when you were just saying that, though, I was I was just thinking about how we got we have to do everything to honor God and for the glory of God. Hmm. You know? And, um, right. It, I think it's in Corinthians where it talks about uh, whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And I think that that is part of godliness. You're you're doing whatever you can to glorify him and letting him work through you. Right. Then to godliness, add brotherly kindness. Brian, I think this is your area of expertise. Brotherly kindness is definitely. It's uh, <laughs> I have open arms for everybody around me. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, th- this is one thing that uh, I need to work on a lot because I have a lot of friends, but it's, it's times when there's things that have to be done and I may not be there for them. And, and, I, and I, I'm... I try to do it as much as I can, but there's times when I'm not. I'm, I haven't been there when I should be as a true friend, and I got tied up in other things, and um, and that wasn't be, that wasn't shown brotherly kindness in this in, in certain areas. Other times it was, but um, it's something that we need to do because the Bible tells us in Romans twelve ten to love one another with brotherly affection. You know, outdo one another in showing honor, and that should be for everybody, not just for your close friends like you and Terry and John. It's not just that; it's for everyone around us. I had a neighbor come up to me today and was asking me something that he couldn't understand. It was a legal form, and I didn't understand it. But I said, "I'll see what I could do for you," and I got him some help. I didn't, I didn't know what to do at that point. I just met him. You know, it's a new neighbor, but was able to at least lead him in the right direction. But I'll tell you what: what, what reminds me of brotherly kindness is the guys in the dorm. Mm-hmm. You know, we would do anything for our dorm mates in that. And my first resident uh, assistant sent me uh, sent a picture the other day of his grandson finishing his first year in college. And the whole dorm in the hall, they were doing a big group hug. And I thought, boy, that's that's right there. There's your brotherly kindness right there. These guys are all together. They're, you know, they love one another. They'll do anything for each other. And it reminded me back in the days when we were in school. I just said, yeah, we would do anything for our brothers. And do you know anyone who's been successful that wasn't kind? You know, if you want to rise to the top in any organization or anything you do in life, you need to be kind. I always hear the story about the executive that knew all the people's names. He knew the custodian, treated him just as 
nice as he would the other uh, vice presidents. And that's the kind of mindset we have to have. I think it's a little harder for guys sometimes to do that because in Ephesians 4, it tells us about being kind and tender-hearted. Mm-hmm. Sometimes guys aren't quite as tender-hearted as we should yeah. be. And you know, T, when you said that, it reminded me of a story I heard of Tommy Lasorda back in the heydays with the Dodgers. And somebody asked him one time in an interview saying, how do these get all these guys respect you? You're like family. He goes, how do you how did you accomplish that? He started going right around. Steve Garvey named his wife, his kids, their ages. He went down. Bill Russell named theirs. Davey Lopes, you know, the Penguin, all these guys. He went through everyone on the roster there and told them that their names, their their wives' names, their kids' names, and some of them their ages. And I'm going, my word. He just took that time to become family with all these people. Yeah, that's great coaches talk about their team as a family. That's for sure. And you hear the players talking a lot about that, too. And when I think of kindness, I had the chance to work with Bob Hope one time. I mean, the great Bob Hope. And, you know, he gave so much of his time and energy to servicemen. And he'd always go over on Christmas instead of being with his family. And he was just so nice and kind and down to earth. Mm. And I think uh, you're right. Uh, greatness uh, truly great people are truly kind people and brotherly kindness. And then the last thing we add to that is love. Now, in this passage, it's referring to agape love, mm-hmm. which is the highest form of love. There's phileo, which is friendship, eros, which is romantic. But agape is the highest love for everyone. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we read how love never fails It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It never fails. And when I was caring for Beth, I I just, I I told the Lord when I found out she had stage four cancer, I said, God, I cannot fail. With your help, I will not fail. I will be there with her because she never failed. She had that kind of love. Boy, just, just love alone is a huge key to success. Yeah, it really is. And like you say, with, with our wives, even though that's not always hard, that's something that we can grasp and get our heads around. But God, the agape love, works its way down from marriage to kids to neighbors to strangers. Could you imagine taking that same care of someone you did not know? And that's the kind of love that God wants for us, if we could just get that into our spirits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that brings us kind of towards the end. Uh, John, I think we've got a few minutes here. Has anything resonated with you, John Matarazzo, today? Well, I've just been paying attention to the life lessons that you're sharing, and not just the lessons, because I've I've heard those before, but the experience that that you put behind them. And just the things that you guys were just talking about, about brotherly kindness and how you treat other people. Um, you know, you guys have actually walked that out with me too, um, because you know I'm a, I'm a younger guy. I'm kind of like a younger brother. Uh, hopefully, that's what that's the way you guys mm-hmm. look at me. And so, I really appreciate how you guys have been walking Grandson. that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, John. Well, Terry, huh, we want to finish strong with these seven keys to success, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting, the progression of this, because it starts with that high moral standard. It starts with the integrity and the virtue that we need. And then he tells us to study his word because we have to discern right from wrong. We have to learn that. And then how are we going to know right from wrong or how it's one thing to know it, but then we have to do it. So he brings in self-control 
Then he knows we need to mature, so he brings in patience and perseverance. And as we move there, then we start becoming more godlike or more Christ-like. And when we can get a hold of that, then out of that comes the kindness that we need, and then the ultimate love, which is what God requires of all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's a neat transition there. Boy, it sure is. And when you think about it, when you have all of these characteristics, you're going to have a right relationship with all men and women, people around you, and with God. And when that yeah. vertical relationship is right, then the horizontal relationships are all in line. Uh, it's it's an interesting couple of verses. Again, Second Peter 1, 5 through 10, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Boy, I love that. That is a great passage. Amen. It is. says it all right there. really does. We can certainly all apply those principles, and when we take them on, we will be successful. Read 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10. And if you enjoy this podcast, Finish Strong, this edition, we'd love to hear from you. John, people can actually rate this podcast. Yes, if you rate and review the Finish Strong with fearless faith, then we love seeing those because that encourages us with that with that great feedback. And we might actually spend some time and, and read one of those in the next episode. And uh, we just appreciate every time that you do that. You can rate on Apple Podcasts, and there's other places that you can as well. So whatever app that you're listening to the podcast in, please go and review that way. Well, we appreciate you listening today. Take those verses and really get them in your spirit. Second Peter 1, 5 through 10. Remember, if you become that type of person, if you take on those attributes, those characteristics, you will never fall. You will never fail. God bless, and we hope you'll join us for our next edition of Finish Strong. Thank you for listening to Finish Strong. For more information about Finish Strong and Fearless Faith, check out their website, ffaith.org. Make sure that you rate and review this podcast to help more people accomplish their God-given purpose so that together we can finish strong.